I request our branch chairman to formally welcome the gathering and then we proceed with the presentation. Thank you, Magis. Before welcoming the speaker, we stand for our institute motors. On behalf of Management Committee of Thirupur branch of SARC of ICI, I welcome our today's speaker, CAM Vishnu Kumar. Yes, he is none other than our own member, our own blood. Welcome, Vishnu, for this meeting. And also, I welcome our members for this uh, CPE meeting on export of service and goods uh, and incentives. Thank you. And then I, I proceed to uh, Magais. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, now it's time to introduce our uh, speaker. Uh, as you all know, CA Vishnu Kumar and Vishnu Kumar belongs to our own city, Tirupur. And uh, CM Vishnu Kumar, a fellow member, passed CA in the year 2014. He is also a member of uh, ICSI. In the uh, ICSI, he passed uh, CS in the year 2012. Uh, completed certification course on products and treasury management and concurrent auditor plans conducted by ICAA. He pursued articles of training under CA and Sivachalam Sir, Thirupo. He is audit partner of KSR and Co. Chartered Accountants, Thirupo. He is a member, uh, All India, a member of uh, All India ICA GST Help Desk, uh, faculty for income tax officials in MSDU. Uh, uh, convener, Indirect Tax Committee, Thirupur Branch of SARC of ICAA for the year 2018 and 19. Uh, member of uh, Career Counseling Committee of Thirupur Branch of SARC of ICAA, 2017-18-21-22. Alumni Board Member in Syllabus Framing Committee of Department of Commerce, Congo Arts and Science College. Regular Guest Lecturer in PhD College of Arts and Science and PhDR Krishnamal College of Arts and Science. Uh, GST trainer for chartered accountants at various branches of SAR, ICAA and uh, CA students also. ICAA trainer of CA students for the GMCS program. And uh, with these few words, I introduce uh, CM Vishnu Kumar to this audience. 
and i request our uh, today's speaker cm vishnu kumar to take over the session and uh, proceed with the meeting thank you thank you uh, mayesh and thank you uh, chairman sir uh, for organizing a session and inviting me to present a paper on uh, recent amendments and relevant to export of goods and services and the amendments relevant to the refund part of export of goods and services plus i thought to touch a little bit about the uh, incentive schemes available for especially on the ministry of textile part what are the incentives available particularly on uh, the textile part because pretty recently we have come across with the notification that uh, the benefit uh, under ros ctl scheme been extended so we should address a little about what is this mes ros ctl and rodtp also and before that we'll start with uh, the basic parts of understanding uh, what is this uh, zero rate supply and uh, the definition under igst act section 16 and section 26 of cgst act and the clarifications circulars notifications issued uh, right from the initiation of the gst act that is from 1st july 2017 till now we've been witnessing a lot of circulars and that too in the year 2019 uh, i would say that there is a master circular there is circular number 125 that has clarified uh, a lot of practical issues Uh, the most of the export claims that they faced when they apply for a refund. After that, uh, based on that circular, one second, sir. Uh, are you getting an echo, sir? Yes, ma'am. Illa yeh, poor nee illa. Karada dark. Chat la, sir, or the background sound varan chuli naring sir. Illa ikhne karada dark hai. Clear, sir. One second, sir. One second. அது கரெக்ட் பண்ணிருக்கேன் கரெக்டா இருக்கு விஷ்ணு இஸ் இட் ஃபைன் சார் நோ எஸ் சோ will take through slides and i will tell you what will be the agenda for today and initially i will touch up with the provisions related to the export and the classification of what are all the supply which is covered under zero rate in the definition under aggregate turnover and the relevant date will give a lot of importance for uh, understanding the term relevant date because uh, we been mostly involved in uh, particularly practicing in tirupur we mostly involved into uh, applying for refunds relevant to export of goods whereas most cases if we proceed for export of services determining the relevant date will be bit different in the same manner if we determine the relevant date in case of uh, export of goods through payment route there is also different so i will give a lot of importance in understanding the term relevant date after that we'll touch up what was previously we discussed two years back when we had the circular 125 and from 125 circular what are the recent amendments that they have issued in this circular 144 sorry uh, 147 and uh, the later notification under uh, notification number 15 bar 2021 in central tax those are the coverage area plus i will run through how this process of uh, refund been done in the gst portal and then finally we'll touch up with as i said in the initial time uh, initial day, initial time of the session that i will run through this rodtp rosctl mes and this abolition of export performance certificate which was earlier issued as a 
added advantage to all the exporters covered under this covered under the AP, AEPs. Hope slides are visible, sir. Ah, yes, Mr. Now. Yes. So coverage for today, we'll start. We'll have again the basic understanding on uh, how the term uh, zero rate supply export is defined under section two, subsection six, and section of IGST Act, and covering section two thirty nine and one forty seven of CGST Act, depends about the turnover and zero rate supply again. Then to related to the provisions related to refund. From section 54 to 58, the 54 to 58 only the relevant things which is required, especially the section 54, subsection 10, subsection 11. Because in recent times, uh, so many of us have come across this uh, problem of uh, classifying exporter under risky classification, risky exporter classification. Especially all those exporters who opted for a payment route of export. Why? What is the reason for that particular classification and how to come out of it? And in what manner the jurisdictional officer here have classified our case or taken up our case and giving an instruction to the uh, superintendents present in or uh, concerned jurisdictional officers present in the port to classify our case as a risky, risky exporter. For that, that section 54, subsection 10, and section 54, subsection 11. Here and there, we will have a little understanding. Then, the amendments which came in relevant to deemed export. Uh, there is a lot of variation with deemed export, uh, merchant export, because before GST, we had this concept of merchant export, but now the deemed export is totally different from what is there in the concept of merchant export. Merchant export, it is in a different connotation now that any person who is willing to uh, supply to an exporter and at, at, at a reduced rate of supply, at a reduced rate of outward supply, they can opt as per the circular 40 of 2017 uh, that they can uh, offer it to the exporters, export-oriented units at 0.1% supply. 0.1% supply, and that is different category. That is not covered under deemed export. Whereas deemed export, it's totally a, there is separate notification there under 75, and uh, that notification there are four categories of supply which is classified under deemed export. In deemed export, there are possibilities both for the supplier and for the recipient to apply for refund. To apply for refund, yes. So in case, if I am a deemed exporter, I'm going for a refund. And if I am a recipient of the goods, what are the possibilities? And what is the methodology involved? And in, uh, as I said, in the master circular 125, uh, they very clearly mentioned uh, the recipient should not claim the ITC, but they are eligible enough to go for claiming refund under rule 89 sub rule 4B. How is it possible? Because rule is saying something different when it was practically processed in the GST portal. In GST portal, whenever we go for applying RFP 01, uh, the first thing that the that application does it is when we complete the submission, the amount that we claim, it straight away goes and hits our electronic credit ledger or cash ledger. So it asks to debit any either electronic credit ledger or cash ledger. But there was a if it directly goes and credits to the electronic credit ledger, where the master circular 125, they said, uh, claiming of ITC is not possible for the recipient or in case of deemed export. And if it goes for the refund, it has to be done separately. So that 
confusion was overcome through this circular 147 which means an error was done an error was committed in framing the rule and that error was clarified through this 125 circular again that clarification was not supported by the gst portal that and then according to the gst portal functionality again another clarification came in the month of march 2021 and that is there in circular 147 and that area we spent some time and modification relevance the two year time limit in most of the cases that too we we know very well that uh, from the relevant date as i already said we need to get a lot of importance for the relevant date from the relevant date is okay from the relevant date we need to take we have to apply for the refund within two years from the relevant date in case we missed out that period maybe if we are applying for the refund only at the last month of the two year since the period is getting near at that time only if we are applying for and the application we did it on the last 15 days time almost one year and 11 months we missed out in the last month in the last 15 days when we go for applying for refund what happens our refund application form if it is accepted that is if it is acknowledged and rfd 02 is issued then it's well and good it will be taken up for process maybe further time they will ask only the queries in relevant to our application in case if the officer the responding officer corresponding officer identifies a deficiency itself in the application rfd 01 what he does he automatically issues this rfd 03 the moment he issues rfd 03 at that time if the two year time limit is exceeded do we have an opportunity to file again because of delay in issuing this deficiency notice under rfd 03 do we have any extension of time limit that is also clarified in circular number 147 see almost this this circular it came into effect only from march 2021 which means the past four years if there are any cases which we filed at the last minute and deficiencies are issued then we have no other choices rather to go for an appeal that we have not crossed the timeline because of uh the deficiency notice that we received after the time whereas the law itself is required that we need to apply from our side within the two year time so do we need to take up the time calculation of the period at which we applied for the date at which we applied for till the time when the officer issued this deficiency notice that timeline what we do with the timeline in between that timeline if we cross this two year time limit what is the solution for us? so far before this 147 circular it was totally different after 147 it is totally different that will be the discussion and then clarification relevance to the strand credits without lut if i go for application what happens if realization is not happened do i need to uh, repay all my refund process that i claimed in case if i'm going for repayment what is the process and what is the timeline and during this covid time uh, in the first wave that is happened in 2020 also RBA have came with a circular and extended the period of uh, realization for exports that also we need to take up may not be in the year 2021 but during the period of uh, april 2020 to july 2020 that period they have given some extension that also we will look into this is the entire agenda of for our next two hours let me start with the basic introduction of what is export of services export of services export of services for the purpose as any supply by a service supplier of a service located in india and the recipient is located outside india and the place of supply is has to be outside india then then one more important point it are uh, the realization has to happen in a convertible foreign exchange convertible foreign exchange 
fifth point also let me complete and then I will uh, summarize. The supplier of services and recipients are not merely an establishment of a distinct post. So the fifth point they want to highlight the services provided from a person in India to a person outside India should not be a should not be a distinct person. Should not be a distinct person. They have to be a different person. A distinct person definition here: a person holding same PAN number or having a same operations, having same PAN number, having different operations with different GS numbers within the country, or having operations in India and they also hold the control over control and establishment over the operations outside India and services are exchanged between these two concerns. And that has to be excluded. That will not be considered for a zero-rated supply. That will not be considered for zero-rated supply of services according to section two, subsection six of IGSTR. What it means, what it tries to explain here. I am an exporter here, and I am providing a designing services to one of my buyer located in uh, UK. UK. So that particular services which I am providing, I am invoicing it today. Since I have completed my services today, for the service categories, we know time of supply from honor after the date of services, but well within 30 days from the date of provision of services. So today, that is 21-7-2021, I've provided designing services to a person located in UK, and I've raised an invoice also on 21-7-2021. Parallelly, here, the person is located in India, and the person received is in UK. So first two conditions are satisfied. Third condition, yes, it is in outside India, that is also satisfied. Fourth condition, against that, descending charges invoices, he sends a remittance under USD or in uh, UK, UK pounds. So that is also satisfied. Fourth condition, both of them are unrelated. That is also fine. If this is the activity, then it is fine. It is considered as export of services. What is the value that we need to declare in our GSTR 1 and GSTR 3? So today I have declared it in, as a descending charge and rise in invoice based on the conversion rate that I will declare a value that I arrived on the invoice date in GSTR 1 and 3. Whereas I have realized the same, I have realized the same, not in July 2021, rather I have realized it on December 2021, December 2021. At that time only, I can able to generate this foreign invoice realization certificate from our bankers, from our bankers. For the purpose of claiming refund under export of services, do that. I'm uh, do this uh, descending charges revenue, which I have declared in my one and three B and in my books of accounts in July, will be considered as the relevant period. Or do that for the purpose of export of services. The realization that happened in December 2021 will that be the relevant period? And that is a question. That is a question. Uh, that is also there is a uh, clear amendment and for the purpose of refund. We will compute only adjusted total turnover as mentioned in uh, Rule 90. For the sorry, Rule 89, Rule 89. For the purpose of uh, aggregate turnover, determining the requirement of our registration, determining the value to be declared in our GSTR 1 and 3B, we will look at the time at which we raise the invoice or the date of completion of services within 30 days as per the time of supply provision. So in 1 and 3B books, it will be in July for the purpose of uh, refund in computing adjusted total turnover definition. Adjusted total turnover definition. Here, we need to be very much, it will be clarified with three definitions. First one, aggregate turnover, aggregate turnover, aggregate turnover, that is in the month of July 2021. For the purpose of computing zero-rated supply of services, zero-rated supply of services mentioned in Rule 89, it has to be considered as in the period December 2021. And again, 
we are clear with the numerator for computing the formula for refund for export of services. What about the denominator? Denominator says about the adjusted total turnover. Adjusted total turnover, it includes all the turnover, turnover in a state as per section 2112. But but in that they specifically exclude supply of services, and then they are separately connecting all the zero-rated supply of services plus other services. What it means? It means for the purpose of adjusted total turnover that we compute in claiming refund also, we will take up only the realization date. That is the FIRC that we have generated in the month of December. In the month of December. So in relevant to this two subsection six export of services provision and connecting the same with the latest slides I will show you and connecting the same with the clarity issued under circular 147, not even before that, not in 147, even before that is. The, clar the clarity is for aggregate turnover, it is as per the invoice date as fit into the time of supply of time of supply provisions. Whereas for the purpose of zero rated turnover and for the purpose of computing adjusted turnover, it is not just the supply alone to be ensured, supply has to be completed and also, and also the realization part has to be ensured. Realization part has to be ensured, realization has to be ensured in foreign exchange for us. Next. Coming to the section 16, this zero rated supply defined in section 16, subsection one of IGST, it says any export of goods or services or export of goods or services to special economic zone developer or to a special economic zone unit subject to the ITCs that we claim is not a block ITCs. All these things are eligible ITCs and export of goods or services to a foreign soil so away from our country and export supply to SEs and developers and SEs and units, these two categories are classified as zero rate supplies, zero supplies. And then that also, while climbing ITCs, we need to ensure that block credit ITCs are not climbed for purpose of matching with this export. And what are all the possibility options that exporter has? We all very well aware of it. They have both options. One is with payment of IGST route, and one another thing is without payment. In case if you are applying for refund with or making supply of export of goods or services through without payment, then we need to apply LUT, letter of undertaking, or bond. Bond now is not there. Most cases it is only LUT, letter of undertaking, and we should apply it in the beginning of the financial year for the uh, welfare of the exporters so that uh, it will not be a violation in rule 89 that uh, if export is done and later stage they apply for LUT. It is not, it is actually the violation of rule 89 because LUT has to be done first and then only export need to be preferred. In case, in some situation, an exporter forgets to apply for an LUT in the beginning of the financial year, but you have made exports, what are the possibilities for that export? Then he has to apply for the LUT immediately and then he has to uh, a request for the concerned jurisdiction officer to condone the delay for filing the LUT. Otherwise, otherwise, that particular export will not be considered as a zero-rated supply and we cannot take it up that particular total for the purpose of computing refund. Second category, without LUT, we pay IGST and then we claim that IGST paid through a certain process, through a certain process. The process is we opt for paying IGST. So whenever we arise export manifesto and 
we will mark up the amount of taxes that we want to pay in our shipping bill itself and then we will pay off that IGST that is reflecting the shipping bill through our GSTR 3B and we declare the same in GSTR 1 also. Once this export manifest or ready shipping bill, they have declared with payment of IGST and the value is quantified for paying taxes. Parallelly, the same was declared in 3B and 1. Automatically, the customs, the custom, the port through which we have processed this or we have made the supply of export of goods in that for uh, that particular port, it will automatically get processed and the refund will be credited to the bank account that we have already, already mentioned in our GST login and parallel in our DGFT login also. These are the two routes that we have. What about the CGST Act? In CGST Act, in IGST Act, they have defined about this zero return and everything. In CGST Act, there they marked up and say in one particular area and defined it deemed export. What is this deemed export? Deemed export where goods will not leave India and payment may be received in convertible foreign currencies and sometimes there are possibility that it can be received in INR also. This deemed export is applicable only for supply of goods, not for services. Not for services. What are all those supply of which are considered as deemed exports? Deemed exports. Let me spend some time on this particular slide to understand how this works actually in our particular place in our district. Supply of goods by a registered person against advanced authorization scheme. We should understand what is this advanced authorization scheme. Advanced authorization scheme is a benefit offered by the this Director General of Foreign Trade for all the exporters. Taking examples from our own city, all the textiles, this garment exporters, through which if we are an exporter and if we are in a position to import some goods, import some goods, so we will be given an a certificate, a performance certificate based on our exports. Through that certificate, we can import certain goods without paying any duty. And parallelly, parallelly, we will adjust it. We will parallelly, we will match it up with the process and we will export the same. The difficulty involved in this first category is, uh, for example, I got an order from UK to supply 100 pieces of uh, garments. For manufacturing that 100 pieces of garments, I've imported some accessories like button zip materials from China through advanced authorization scheme. So through advanced authorization scheme, what, what I did, I've imported uh, zips and buttons and I've not paid any duty stating these buttons and uh, zips I have imported will particularly match against the 100 pieces that I'm going to export after processing to UK. Like that, we need to specifically match each and every item. That's the reason considering the difficulty in uh, the processing thing because most of the exporters they do import in a bulk and they were not able to match with particular orders at which they export that's why most of the exporters will not prefer uh, importing goods through this advanced authorization scheme rather they will pay duty and then they will do. but second category in deemed uh, export is supply of capital goods by a registered person against export promotion capital goods authorization scheme epcg scheme through which here, most of the exporters here import capital goods through this second route, this export promotion capital goods authorization scheme. What is this particular route is about? Through this route, we import capital goods. Using that capital goods, we process and we do exports. The duty amount that we save in importing a particular capital goods, for example, I'm going to import certain missionaries from Siruba, Japan. So that particular missionary, whatever duty that I'm saving into six times, I need to make an export in a next six year period or into nine times 
in the next nine year period. If I can able to come, I mean, uh, fulfill that commitment or fulfill that obligation, then my duty to be paid in importing this particular sewing machines from Japan will be will not be asked for. Will not be asked for. These set of supply is also considered as and this particular person who supplies capital goods or purchases capital goods to this EPCG authorization scheme and makes an export is covered under deemed exporter scheme. And the last third item is supply of goods by a registered person to an EOU. 100% export oriented unit. If I am supplying a goods to a 100% export oriented unit, third category, most of the category, most of the exporters uh, who look forward for this deemed export refunds may fall into this supply to a 100% EOU. Here we are seeing a lot of organizations are classified as 100% EOU. If supply is not going up for the refund, then the recipient can also look forward for refund. Fine. So the declaration that if a recipient is going for a refund has to obtain from the supplier is that they will not claim the ITC. They will not claim the ITC. Or recipient from the recipient perspective, uh, he has to get the declaration from the supplier that they will not go for, for the for the refunds, and then he can apply for refund. And that particular place only we find a difficulty in the portal that without claiming the ITC in electronic credit ledger, without claiming the ITC in electronic credit ledger, how is it possible for me to complete this RFD01 form? And then circular 125 is also not clear. So circular 145 cleared it very absolutely just cleared it. There is no restriction in claiming the ITC in electronic credit ledger. Rather, after claiming the ITC, and after uh, after claiming the ITC in electronic credit ledger through three GSTR three B, the requirement is recipient has to get a declaration. That's all from the supplier. That's all. And as usual, the parallel process we will file RFD zero one and claim the refunds under Rule eighteen and four B. The fourth category, RAP categories, we are not mostly looking into this particular category of supplier gold by bank or a public sector undertaking specified in notification number fifty of customs. Anyways, these are the three categories which are specifically meant as a deemed export. So merchant export is totally different from deemed export. Any supplier who is supplying under point one person scheme, and that is different from a deemed export. Deemed export. Now, deemed export notification. Such a supplies cannot be made under a bond or LUT. The tax must be paid at the time of supply. Refund of taxes paid on such a supplies can be claimed. For example, take this example. Dealer who is located in Rajasthan. Sells a goods to dealer B, who is a hundred percent EOU. B in turn sells the goods to a customer C in Germany. Supply by A to B is treated as an export. Here B is the recipient, A is the supplier. A is the supplier, right? If B recipient goes up and claims for a refund through this deemed export scheme, 147 circular allows you to claim the ITC and then go for applying the refund. Refund and uh, parallel once the refund form is filed. Debiting the electronic credit ledger to the amount of refund claimed in this RFD01 is also allowed. That is from March 2021 onwards. What are the procedures involved? Notification 75 this is a very old notification still. I'm running through just for an uh, understanding. UOU, STP, or STP, or biotechnology path must give a prior intimation by filing a form A to the supplier and the jurisdictional officer of a supplier and a recipient. For me, it has the serial numbers of goods procured, the data which it is procured, and the pre-approved by the development commissioners located in that particular UOU, STP or STP or BTP. Supplier, and then they will supply goods with the regular tax invoices 
this tax invoices must be endorsed by the recipient endorsement copy should be sent to the supplier and to the jurisdiction officer officers this endorsed copies uh, need to be filed well before the time either the recipient or supplier goes for it without uh, promptly sum submitting all this endorsed copies if we go for a refund asking uh, that this recipient is going to claim supplier is not going to claim the refund at all that will not be entertained this this is very similar case in case of inverted structure also in inverted duty structure also the same procedure is involved there it is not form a b and all rather all the purchase order that uh, the supplier is received from the exporter that need to be filed in the prompt jurisdiction well before and then when the supply happens and then the supplier also to get an assurance that in the shipping bill of the exporter who purchases it at point 1% have promptly mentioned that this particular goods has been taken from this merchant exporter only under point 1% so this shipping bill copies which clearly mentioning the supplier uh, uh, supplier at point 1% plus po copies all need to be submitted to the jurisdictional office within 30 days from the time in which we got it in which the particular supplier received the orders after completion of all this process and then only if you go and apply for rfd 01 refund under point 1% point 1% scheme they will go for refund under inverted scheme inverted scheme there is another story there inverted scheme where we all very well aware of it uh, that uh, outward supply rate is far less when compared to the inward supply rate that because of that itc getting accumulated for that we claim refund here if we are supplying to this point 1% route first as similar to this deemed export supplies uh, there also we need to declare our po copies and shipping after shipment the shipping bill copies everything to everything to jurisdiction offices unless otherwise if these things are not acknowledged properly within the regular interval times in the jurisdiction office if we go for a refund form they will definitely will not enter rather they will ask for all those details and if they accept the condition for delay in filing all those details and then only they will accept rfp01 form next here they will ask for invoice details of deemed export supplies and undertaken by the recipient that no itc can be claimed right this undertaking played a remark for all this amendments to come this no itc has been claimed this undertaking if recipient submits then he should not claim the same in the gstr 3b this was overcome through this circular 147 next 147 amendment uh, circular 147 amendment relevant to deemed export supply this is what we have been discussing so far uh, recipient cannot avail the itcs on invoices for which refund claim but when the refund forms were filed on the portal it requires the claimant to debit from electronic credit ledger so they made an amendment to the previous circular that the amo uh, it it can be claimed and the claimed amount should not exceed the amount of input tax rate already availed in the valid return filed for the set tax period there is one important recent amendment in relevant to claiming of refund in relevant in relevance to deemed supply of goods deemed exports 54 and 543 uh, the refund provisions it says we have 12 different categories of uh, claiming refund we are mostly familiar with uh, being in tirupur we are mostly familiar with claiming refund of export of goods uh, without payment of taxes in some category if we have committed any errors 
instead of uh, declaring it as an interstate supply, if you declare an interstate supply, or if any of our customer is making a supply through this e-com operators or government contractors, for them uh, we might they might deduct TDS or they might collect TCS under GST. So filing this GST as seven or GST or eight form, uh, we will be getting this credits of TDS and TCS, and which will be there in our electronic cash ledger. Electronic cash ledger. What should we do with this electronic cash ledger balance? In case if you are if you have any outgoing liability to be discharged again, then we can utilize it. Or else, any excess balance available on this cash ledger that is also possible to claim. Relevant to export of services, both the possibilities are there: export of services without payment of taxes and export of services. With payment of integrated taxes in both the category, we need to file RFP zero one. In first category, payment is done in uh, uh, table number three point one uh, B. Yeah, three point one B, because three point one A is the local supply, regular supply, interstate and interstate supplies. Three point one B is all about this zero to supply. If uh, export of services with payment of taxes is promptly declared in three point one B, parallel in GST or one also. Then all those taxes that we paid, supported by the FAOCs, we can claim refund. In case if you are not uh, claiming refund through payment of uh, payment route, then similar route we, we should process LUT, and then we should file our three B and one on time, and we go for filing RFP zero one, claiming all the eligible ITCs, all the eligible ITCs for export of goods or export of services. We are already aware input of services, input of uh, inputs, inputs and inputs of services. Both are eligible. Only thing ITC and relevant to capital goods are not eligible for claiming refund. In inverted structure, only inputs alone is eligible. Input of services is not eligible. And there is one special category that is specialized agencies of UNO. For them, the refund itself is a different category, where uh, for this specialized agencies of UNOs, they can claim refund separately through. Uh, RFD 0, RFD 10, RFD 10. Even for them, the registration itself is not the regular process. Rather, they will apply for a UIN number, unique identification number, through which they collect and accumulate all their GSTs. Now, all the accumulated GSTs either through the facilitation centers provided by this uh, jurisdiction officers, uh, they can claim refund under RFD 10. Relevant date. What is the relevant date? From when this time limit of two years is computed? If if goods are exported, if goods are exported, ultimately the export of goods either through air or through vessels and ship, it is determined uh, through this export document like BL and shipping bills. So it is ultimately we can end up with the conclusion that uh, the date of a shipping bill raised and the date of BL copy that is the date actually our goods got shipped. Because in the last year lockdown also, similarly in the current year lockdown also, there are difficulties faced by the exporters that they have completed with their production and they are ready to raise an invoice, but the shipments were not promptly taken as per the schedules. Shipment dates got postponed, got postponed. What should we do now? So here, the date at which actually the shipment has happened, and that date is considered as supply of goods export. Made export that that it is declared as supply of goods under zero rated supply under zero rated supply. If if we have done with our manufacturing and we have invoiced it, we have invoiced it, and we have not exported it for a period of more than one year, more than one year, then then that particular export, even then it is shipped after one year, it is still to be considered as 
taxable supply and local supply we are supposed to pay outward supply which will not be considered for claiming refund and will not be taken up for computing as a total turnover. This timeline is not just alone for invoicing and uh, sending the goods at a later time. And one more thing is invoicing it and sending it on time, but realization if it happens at a later time. And what is the timeline within which the relation should happen? In FEMA Act, uh, they have given a timeline for it. I will, since we are discussing this relevant date, I will connect with the timeline required for realization of export realization of. In FEMA, they have very clearly mentioned the realization has to happen from this relevant date within a nine months in case of export of goods. Last year, from April 2020 to July 2020, there was a circular issued by RBA stating this nine months can be further extended to 15 months. 15 months. In case I have received an advance money from my export customer, customer, what should I do? If I have received an advance money, then I should ensure my supply within one year from the date in which I have received the advance. Advance. Fine. So this is the regular timeline. In case of export of services, the relation has to happen within six months. Six months. Fine. This is the timeline which is taken up for uh, realization aspect in GST also. These are the timelines mentioned in FEMA Act. That is what they are taking up for GST Act. Relevant date in case export of services. Export of services, it's always date of receipt of payment. Payment. Services it is not that easy to quantify as we do in export of goods. Goods we can easily quantify with the volume and we can judge with the value pretty easily, but services it is not possible. So uh, there is a possibility that invoices can be issued at a very early stage and payment can be looked up for at a later stage. To avoid all the confusions, for the purpose of a relevant date taken up in case of computing refund of export of services, it is always, always date of receipt of payment, date of receipt of payment. If you take up rule 89 sub rule four, defining this adjusted total turnover, this I've already highlighted, again, I'm highlighting in learn to this 11 day, 89.4 adjusted total turnover, adjusted total turnover includes the turnover in the state as defined under section two, subsection 112 of the CGST Act includes all taxable supplies, exempt supplies, uh, export of goods and services at that place of 2112, they say it is export, not uh, a zero letter. From that 2112 definition, they exclude, they exclude uh, the zero rated supply of services. What is the zero rated supply of services then? The zero rated supply of services is equal to uh, amount of realization and services completed thing plus amount realized at a later time for which invoices are issued at earlier time. Maybe for example, I have issued an export of services invoice in March, previous financial year, 2021 financial year. But I realized it in only in the month of May 2021. So realization happened in 21-22, but invoice was issued in 2021. In the books of accounts, we declare it in 2021. For the purpose of computing zero supply of services and for the purpose of computing adjusted total turnover, we will take up uh, that uh, exports, export of services value only in the financial year 2120. There is a simple formula there that I will explain in the latest slide. So this is the importance of relevant date. So always this two-year computation also starts from this relevant date. Uh, 
for the purpose of export of services relevant date starts from earlier of date of receipt of payments or issue of invoices where the payment is also received in advance whichever is early that will be the relevant date in case if tax are paid provisionally then the date of adjustment of taxes if in case of refund of unutilized input tax rate and the duty of inverted duty structure then then the due relevant date is starts from the end of the financial year for which such a claim for refund arises from that time another two year timeline is there an account of accumulated credit of gst in case of a liability to pay service taxes in partial reverse charges date of provision of services or invoice status rcm uh, it's like the time at which you internally raise an invoice and pay taxes and claim it reclaim it we can pay the taxes and claim it in the same month itself so at which month we are paying and claiming even for the financial year 2021 if we are making the rcm payment in 21 22 in the month of july 2021 we can claim it in july 2021 and the service date also starts only from july 2021 in all other cases it's only date of payment of taxes this is overall view of what are the possibilities of refunds there which we already discussed in elaborately only one point that i want to highlight if the refund value exceeds 2 lakh exceeds 2 lakh most of us will not certify the same because we work on most into the refunds of export of goods export of goods in case if it is export under inverted duty structure in case if the export is not under supply of goods whereas under excess in cash ledger in case if an intrastate supply is strongly declared as interstate supply and the claim of payment is more than 2 lakhs at that time a practicing chartered accountant or a practicing cost account certificate should required right the other categories that we have already discussed and the different items also we have discussed next documentary evidences export of services export invoice and farc this is far sufficient whereas from uh, verification of goods shipping bill transporter chalan export invoice and packing list bill of lading and bank relation certificate all these things are essential documents to justify that the supply that we made is a zero supply now the question is so do i need to attach this bank relation certificate mandatorily for claiming refund since you are telling that for claiming refund under export of services this fars certificate is always mandatory but if it is the nature of export of goods attachment of brc is not mandatory it is not mandatory that is already clarified in circular 120 uh, 125 fine next concept of provisional refunds most cases we are not uh, stick, i mean we are not witnessing this provisional refund happening uh, we rarely see this rfd 04s are issued that they accept this 90% uh, once they acknowledge it from the date of acknowledgement uh, within 15 days they should issue 90% of the refund rather they are verifying it and completing the entire process and they are issuing the uh, final uh, refund order itself under rfp 06 so what happens if an officer issues a provisional refund and after assessment he identifies that he identifies that there is an excess issue of refund what happens what happens so i have issued the officer of assessment we have claimed 100 rupees as an eligible idc for refund officer issued a refund of 90 rupees after the final assessment in rfd 06 he finally arrived at 60 rupees 60 rupees which means he have issued an excess refund of 30 rupees what happens that 30 rupees he will recruit it to the electronic retention of pmt 03 parallelly he will issue rfd 07 stating you to pay that 30 rupees of excess and 10 rupees of excess that we have claimed 100 rupees 
And initially they issued 90 rupees, but actual refund order value at around RFD 06 is only 60 rupees. From the claim amount, the actual eligible amount, the difference is 40 rupees. Out of 40 rupees, the entire 40 will be routed through electronic credit ledger through PMT 03. The PMT 03 declaration we need to submit after the issue of RFD 06 order. The possibilities will be given in the portal itself. In the amount that on that 40 rupees, 30 rupees will be marked up against RFD 07 order. In RFD 07, they will mark up. It is a liability to be paid off. And previously, previously it was not so. What they do, they will adjust, they will adjust the ledger. Only 10 rupees excess eligible ITCs may not be eligible for the purpose of refund, but may be eligible for the purpose of adjustment towards outward supply. That 10 rupees alone will be recredited through PMT03 and remaining will be adjusted and the adjusted report will be declared in RFD07. Now it is not so, it will be separately shown and it has to be adjusted separately. Fine. Now these are the different categories of even that also we have witnessed. Now, extension for and one more important uh, amendment which you have followed through this circular 147 in March is extension of relaxation for filing refund claims in case where a zero rated supplies has been wrongly declared in 3.1a. It has to be declared in 3.1b, but it is declared in 3.1a. So what happens? See, this error, they have given a solution up to 31st March 2021, only to a few categories of people, not for everyone. Actually, this sort of errors, we are witnessing it being done not just only by the export of uh, uh, services, a person or exporter who supplies export of services and makes IGST payment and that route or makes IGST payment and supplies to an AC as a developer or AC as a unit. Not that these two category people alone make this error. Even export of goods, a person making an export of goods through this payment route, even they also sometimes they commit an error of mentioning this exported supply under an intrastate or interstate supply and discharging the liability. For them, the solution is not there in 147 or in 125. First, in 125, they have given solution only for this type of wrong entries made either in 31A or 31C. 31C is exempt supply. Even if it is declared in 31C or so, in 125, first they said any errors committed in such a manner during the period of 172017 to 362019, it can be assumed as the turnover to be considered in, in totaling 31A, 31B, and 31C of GST, uh, GST 3B. And that error can be reported in RFD 01 and refund can be claimed. That period of coverage from 1-7-2017 to 36-2019 be further extended. And any such an errors committed by this exporter of services under payment route or supplier to an ACZ or ACZ unit under a payment route, uh, that particular errors committed till 31st March 2021, 31st March 2021 can be corrected. How it can be corrected? While going for claiming the refund on RFD 01, uh, the total of 3.1A, 3.1B, 3.1C be totaled together. And for that, adjust out on over and zero rate supply will be worked out, worked out. But the same facility is uh, expected by the people who have committed error in export of goods under with payment route also. For them, the solution is uh, rather uh, they have to discharge the actual liability again. And then in the refund also, any other column, any other category is there, one more category. Out of the 12 categories of refund, there is one more category called any other category. In that any other category, they have to go and mention that 
instead of declaring it in 3.1b they were wrongly discharged in 3.1a the excess taxes of this paid and and that excess taxes that is paid also discharged through electronic credit ledger or cash credit ledger is what major issue for most of them so for the credit ledger excess adjustment it has to be filed only through any other category under rfb01 thus these people who supply export of services or supply to acs under payment route they can go under as usual route of rfb01 under the as usual format of excess igst paid under export of service route or igst paid to acs developer unit route fine and then before moving into the next amendments that has came in relevance to the circular 147 or notification 15 i just run through what are all the content there in this rules rule 89 application for refund of taxes in which the one important discussion i had previously is that computing adjusted total turnover and zero rate supply of services zero rate supply of services how it has to be computed is the same value as per the aggregate total turnover declared in books of accounts that thing first i will address and then i will come one by one the formula is the formula for claiming a refund under zero rate supply is the turnover of zero rate supply of goods plus services into net itc net itc is the all the eligible itcs except the itcs which are already covered under uh, rule 1894a or rule 1894b 4b is deemed export coverage we already discussed 4a is 0.1% uh, coverage there is notification number 40 by 2017 supplied through 0.1% rule that itc ignoring those two categories all the other itcs will be net itc adjusted or turnover definition and this is the definition where uh, during the relevant period they include the turnover within the state but they exclude turnover of services they exclude turnover of services and point number b they specifically add up all the non zero rate services and the zero rate services non zero rate and zero services plus plus they will exclude exempt supply exempt supply in case i do have rocdl license i do have mes license if i have made an mes supply though it is a turnover forming part of aggregate turnover definition it will not form part of adjusted turnover definition uh, yes this is what i wanted to discuss the formula for computing zero rate supply of services it is not as similar how we compute the zero rate supply of goods aggregate of payments received during the relevant period for a zero rate supply of services plus plus zero rate supply of services for which supply and payment completed and advances already received maybe this advances might be received in the previous finance year also for which supply might be completed only in the current year that thing also we need to gather those values from the previous finance year i mean we need to add it in the current finance year to arrive at this zero rate supply of services from there we need to reduce reduce any advances that we receive in the current year still that advance received we will not compute the supply we will not compute the supply this is the formula for computing adjusted total turnover for the purpose of sup supply of services for example for example during the finance year 2021 the total invoices of my zero rate supply of services is 1 crore 1 crore right out of that 1 crore i have realized only 80 lakhs in the previous year remaining 20 lakhs in the next finance year then in computing refund we will not take that 1 crore aggregate total turnover rather we will take only the 80 lakhs for which supply and payment is completed 
since payment is payment of 20 lakhs is jumping towards the next finance layer, uh, following finance layer, it will be taken up only in the 21-22 finance layer. Let's take this particular illustration for a better understanding. For the period of April 20 to August 20, for the period of April 20 to August 20, export invoices carry A1 invoice number one with 10 lakhs, invoice number two 20 lakhs, and invoice number three 30 lakhs. This is the turnover that I have declared in aggregate turnover. This export of service turnover declared during the period April 20 to August 20. In domestic invoices during the same period, I had a domestic invoice of A4 that carries a 20 lakh value. Company received a payment of A1 and A3 in August 2020. That is, for A1 and A3, I have received the payment in the relevant period itself, in the relevant period of my different climates. But A2, I have not received in the relevant period, rather I received in the later period, that is in November 2020. How to compute the zero rate supply and adjusted total power under rule 89.4 for the purpose of claiming refund? The zero rate supply of in services include only those services for which supply also completed, payment also received. Whereas, if the payment is already received in advance and supply is completed today, in, during this April 20 to August 20, then that is also to be included. This is what we discussed in the previous formula also. So now, A1 plus A3, only A1 and A3 are the invoices for which supply also completed, realization also happened. That alone is considered as a zero-rate supply of services. What about this adjusted total turnover? Adjusted total turnover, it includes all the turnover in a state as per definition 2112 but exclude services, rather again it includes a zero-rated supply of services, a zero-rated supply of services computed as per the EBO solution, as per the EBO solution. If I directly include services, what happens? The entire value of A1, A2, A3, all the invoices will come and accumulate in adjusted total number. Instead, I'm ignoring the entire services of the 60 lakhs, that is the value of A1, A2, and A3. I'm ignoring all these three values, and then, and then I'm adding up only the value that has to be taken up for uh, zero debt supply provision. Only the uh, invoices for which supply and uh, relation are shown. So here also, we ignore 60 lakhs and we add up 40 lakhs. We ignore 60 lakhs and we add up 40 lakhs. So adjusted total turnover will come up to 60 lakhs. 60 lakhs. So if the eligible ITC is 100, if the eligible ITC is 100, then the formula will be 100 into 40 divided by 60. So the ITC eligible for refund is only 67 during the period of uh, April to August. It is not 100 into 60 divided by, oh, sorry, 100 into 60 divided by 80. So here I need to make one particular correction because uh, adjusted total turnover includes not only that export turnover, it includes the domestic turnover of 20 lakhs. That 20 lakhs I have added up. So 40 plus 20 is 60. So adjusted as if I go with the definition of adjusted total turnover defined in 1894, out of 100, ITC eligibility is 100, I'm getting eligibility of only 67 during the period of April and August. If we miss out this provision and compute adjusted total turnover as equivalent to aggregate turnover, then we will end up in higher claim of ITC but it's absolutely wrong, which means we have claimed an excess ITC. We have claimed an excess ITC. That excess ITC can be claimed only at the time of realization that happened only in this example at November 21. November 21. Fine. Okay. This particular provision I want to highlight in 
rule 89 rule 89 so anyone who is going for a refund under export of services uh, we have to be uh, so cautious on computing aggregate turnover for the purpose of books of accounts and 1 and 3b and for the purpose of computing zero rated supply of services and adjusted rate turnover for purpose of refund there we have to be very clear 90 rule 90 talks about acknowledgement there is no deficiencies in the rfd 01 that we file the jurisdiction officer will acknowledge it by issuing rfd 02 once the rfd 02 is issued from the date of issuing the rfd 02 another 15 days time they are supposed to issue provisional refund uh, during the last lockdown time there was an instruction came to the officers to uh, issue the refunds well i mean to speed up the process of refunds like that if any in between instruction comes to the officers they will not even look into this uh, provisional sanctioning and all rather they will they rush up with their assessments and they complete sanctioning the uh, entire refunds under rfd 06 rule 91 is rfd 04 issuing of provisional refunds rule 92 it talks about issuing rfd 06 of uh, the entire refund following the rfd 06 they will issue rfd 05 the differences with this rfd 06 and rfd 05 is if there is any delay in issuing this refund order after 60 days from the rate of acknowledgement then the certain officer has to issue an order for interest also interest at the rate of 6% for the delayed settlement of refund that also need to be added in rfd 05 rfd 05 any claim which is eligible for adjustment but not for the purpose of refund is rejected pmt 03 will be enabled after rfd 06 that can be filed up that's a self declaration form once it's filed uh, that rejected itcs will again come back and sit in our electronic credit ledgers credit ledgers moving on to this 95 and 95a uh, this 95 is particular to this specialized agencies and related nations filing rfd 010 the 95a this amendment also came in uh, 2020 that any retail outlets located in the departure area of an airport uh, that particular supplies made by them they also they can go for claiming refund rfd 10b while issuing this rfd 06 uh, and 05 the corresponding officer will issue one more statement also under rfd 01p that is an entire statement declaring uh, classifying uh, the amount of refund claim amount of refund rejected the mode of payment everything will be detailed in this rfd 01b following that there are two amendments which have came up those are already mentioned in section 54 subsection 10 this withholding of refund process and withdrawing of refund is there any possibility sir after filing my application for refund is it possible for the uh, for the ssc to withdraw his refund application yes uh, they have issued a new form for that rfd 01w let me show that Thanks. RFD zero one W. See this RFD. Uh, yes, this is RFD zero one. Hope for everyone is visible. This RFD zero one W is an option given to the ASCII to withdraw his refund application, but there is a certain timeline for it. This withdrawal need to be done well before well before any provisional order for. Uh, refund is issued. That is under RFD 044. Uh, if I want to put it in a simple formula, then it will be earlier of earlier of issuing RFD 04, RFD 06, or RFD 08. 
So RFD 04, the order for provisional refund, RFD 06, the order for the final refund, or RFD 08, asking for a clarity, issuing a SOCAS notice and asking for a clarity in relevant to the export document that we have filed and they have acknowledged also. What it means, even after the RFD 02 acknowledgement, there is a possibility for the exporter to withdraw his application. But once RFD 04, 06, or 08 is raised, and we cannot withdraw the same. The option for withdrawal will be excluded or will be hidden from the window. There are some problems, practical problems that we meet out in uh, getting this RFB08 notices by the offices. Like, uh, so they have filed the form and they got the acknowledgement also. The proper officer, after verifying it, he is requesting for uh, some other details through this RFB08 notice. She also filed this RFP 08 notice from the officer's login. Because of the portal issues, sometimes that RFD 08 might not reflect properly in our uh, window. What, are, what shall we do now? Is it at that time, do we go for a withdrawal of application and fresh, file it fresh, or do we go for manual submission of the details required? Now, here, 97A rule specifically gives an option for manual filing of certain documents if it is necessary, if it is necessary. There are, there is a provision where the eligible ITC that we claim has to be verified with GSTR 2A. If already available in GSTR 2A, the proper officer cannot ask for any further documents in relevant to the particular ITC. If not, and if the claim is anytime, anytime, at that time, they can ask a document to be submitted. That too, in the scan format, in some cases, they are asking us to submit manually too. Still, that manual application submission is made available in this rule in IT78. So using that particular provision only, we can go and submit that uh, required, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the details that is required in this deficiency notice of RFD08 manually. Only the special circumstances where portal is not reflecting from office side was done, from our client side, it is not reflecting. At that time only, we can go and submit the same. Otherwise, otherwise, it is not okay. It is not. I mean, it is not the proper uh, way of uh, withdrawing the application and then filing it again. What happens since this notice is not reflecting? If we withdraw the application and we resubmit it, there will be two tasks which will pop up in the window of the particular officer. In one task, it shows that already this application for the period is taken up and the deficiency query is raised. In another task, a fresh application will also come into play. Maybe in some cases, uh, ITC that is already debited from the electronic ledger will not promptly uh, recredit. So it's not, it's better to have a confirmation from the jurisdiction officer and then go for withdrawals in case of any clerical errors happened in the portal, because any errors happened in the portal. But there are other grounds for which we can go for withdrawal. Uh, we have declared a wrong value in Aristotle turnover. So we identified the latest stage. So we are withdrawing it. Or we are under out of 12 category, we have declared in a, uh, instead of declaring it in a, uh, export of goods without payment of taxes, I've declared it in export of uh, services with payment. If I wrongly uh, opted for the headings, for that reason also, we can withdraw the application. Any details or attachments that we have wrongly attached, for that reasons also, we can withdraw. But I suggest you not to withdraw for the portal errors. Portal errors. Only if it is an error, technical about the provisions that we need to adhere with. If that is the error, then we can withdraw. Otherwise, we should not withdraw the applications. Right. 
And the other advantage and amendment, which is to relevant to the section 54 is, this part A and part B of RFD 07. Previously, when we go for a claim of a refund, and parallelly there is a demand to be settled up with the officers, what they do, they can adjust this claim, adjust this claim, and after adjusting whatever they left over, and that will be sanctioned as a refund. And all this adjustment things and everything will be detailed in RFD 07. No, it is not so. Now what happens? Rather, they will take up the process of our refund form and, and they will issue an order for withholding our refund, withholding our refund and relevant to some of the reasons like maybe the demand notice are not paid off or the refund that we come up is giving an adverse effect to the revenue of the department under subsection 11 or 54 or they are identifying any fraud series of nature activities happening. At that time, uh, the officer can issue an, a withholding order under part A of RFD 07. Once it is rectified, then, then part B will be issued. Part B is sanctioning of that particular withholding refund. This mostly happens when we file RFD 01 for export of goods without payment of taxes. The same idea, the same idea, if it is done through with payment of taxes using the same formula, they withhold our refund and classify it to classify it to risky exporter category. Reasons they feel there is an adverse effect to the revenue, or they identify there is some fraudulent activities happened in claiming ITC or declaring the outward value, misplacement in declaring or the wrong values of declared in outward supplies like that. Any reason that they find it adverse for that in payment route, they classify the risky. In non-payment route, now they hold this. Part A and Part B of RFD 07. These are all the recent changes happen. Right. Next. Next. Uh, related to this uh, adjusted total turnover for export of goods, export of goods, there is one more amendment which came in Circular 16 of 2020. It said uh, the value of export of goods that we classify for aggregate turnover definition should not exceed 150 percentage of the similar value of domestic goods. While this circular 16 bar 2020 came, all the jurisdictional officers started asking this declaration initially from the clients. It's fine because the client knows what will be the value at which this, this particular goods domestic supply will be and what will be the value at which uh, this the same similar goods at export can be done. Even then, even then, we had a cases where uh, there are exporters only, they do, I mean, there are exporters who doesn't have any domestic supply. It is not at all possible for them to take a comparison against the parallel export of goods, of, I mean, uh, goods, export of goods value. So for them also, it was a difficult task to arrive at and what value to come up and compare with. And going forward, same jurisdiction officer started asking this thing to be certified by child accountants. And we are all certifying it. And the yard scale for uh, this 150% determination is still questionable. Because uh, even then, this, these concepts are very similar to how we arrive at this arms length pricing when we work out this transfer pricing case. So where, at least for that, uh, we have a control, we have different methods to arrive at a value. Here, we are not having any particular ideas. And uh, if we take, say for example, exporter A 
regularly making export of goods to UK and is not making a similar variety of goods or similar kind of goods in the domestic market. But for him, for his export value goods, we cannot take any other items of local of domestically available goods value and take it up for the comparisons. And if so, we are the auditors know that we are in the position to certify the same. And if we look forward for this cost plus method, I'm just suggesting if you look for the cost plus method, we cannot determine the margin that the entrepreneur is supposed to declare. Whatever margin that he wants, he can declare it up. So it is uh, it's not okay to get it certified from a child accountant rather. Unless otherwise, the sufficient information is to be provided to a child accountant for making the comparisons. So in the circular 16, 2020, when it come, it started asking this 150 percentage of value. It doesn't mean this is the value that we need to declare in the books and in the GS evidence. That is totally different. There it is, it is asking only the turnover in a state as per 2.112. Only for the purpose of refund, when you compute this zero turnover and adjusted turnover, we should take the 150 percentage of the value of the similar domestic goods, similar domestic goods. That 1620 circular was further modified in 147 circular stating actual value per unit of goods. So now from the value, they've added this one more term per unit. It should not be more than 1.5 times. If it is more than 1.5 times, then the numerator zero supply and the denominator turnover will be taken up only to the maximum value of 1.5 times, not the actual value that we declared as turnover in state for books of accounts or in 3B and 1. How it works, how it works. Let's take this example. Suppose a supplier is manufacturing only one type of goods and is supplying the same goods in both domestic market and overseas. This is very simple case where at least he has a yard scale to compare this overseas supply with the domestic. But if they are not having yard scale, then it's difficult. It's very difficult to manage. Not just for textile industries, for every industries, even for the choir industries or any export for that matter, any goods exporter for that matter. During the relevant period of this refund, the details of his inward supply and outward supply are given here. The ITC eligible is 270. Against this, the local parity, 200 value, value per unit is 200, number of units supplied is 5, so turnover is 100. So the value per unit of that particular goods that we exported, the domestic value is 5 rupees, which means 5 into 1.5. That is the maximum value at which we can take it up for uh, computing zero-rated supply of goods and for computing adjusted turnover. So 5 into 1.5, it will be uh, 7.5. And what is the quantity that they have declared? 200. 200. So it is 1,500. It is 1,500. Actually, the quantity that we've exported is uh, same five, but the value is 350. 350. So the turnover that we declared in GSTR 1, 3B, or in books of accounts is 1,750. Either way, we will be realizing the 1,750 only. But computing this refund formula, we will not take up 1,750, rather we take 1,500 only. The numerator will be 1,500 and then the denominator will be 2,500. See, the other turnover includes only uh, the 1.5 times of the domestic turnover. So numerator will be 1,500 into 270 divided by 2,500, which means uh, the intention of this particular uh, amendment came in 16, 2020 circular or clarification came in 147 circular is to, they want to restrict the 
maximum or they want to fix a maximum cap for the amount of refund to be claimed. If, if they have not introduced this particular 150 times or 1.5 times of the domestic supply provision, the same uh, 270 ITC, the refund will be 270 into 1750 and divided by 2750, which will be uh, more than what actually the refund amount is showing here. It is 162 source here. If we go with without this surplus and all, if we go with the whole formulas, then it will be 172. The understanding that I get over this particular cap is they want to restrict the maximum amount of refund claim. May not don't know the reason for it, but rather they want to fix a maximum cap for the claim of refund. Claim of refund. This provision we have to be very careful and Solutions, if we channel accountant are certifying uh, this uh, value as per the data given by the client of the assessees, that this is the local quantity value or this is the export quantity. Export quantity value, anyways, we have the shipping bills and export invoices from that we can easily determine. For the comparison purpose, if the suppliers for customers is gathering up any data and submitting it, uh, now we are the one who need to justify the same and for that whatever data is required and that data we have to gather it for our safer purpose of certifying the same right and so far we have discussed about this export of services as a federal turnover definition and also we have discussed about this amendment on 147 level 2 this 1.5 times and we also discussed about the timeline timeline the next amendment in 147 uh, that is, uh, if I file the refund and deficiencies are issued at later time, say for example, I filed the refund on 17 uh, 6, 2021. Deficiency came on 22 6. So the date, the time between 17 to 22, that day is will not be computed for uh, the calculation of two years from the relevant date for claiming the refund. The maximum tenure to claim the refund, the two years timeline, for that timeline under circular 147. From the date of application till the date of deficiency notice issued, that timeline will not be added up, taken up, taken up. Right. Next, inverted duty structure refund. The formula is very similar, but only thing instead of zero supply of goods and services, it will be turnover of inverted supply of goods into net ITC. ITC here only the eligible inputs, not the services, not the services. If not the services, I don't know what is the purpose of. Uh, uh, because since they're not taking up the uh, input of services, in every person who claims refund through this inverted duty structure has a huge volume of accumulated ITC staying in his books. Next, uh, in relevant to notification number 15, this point I've already discussed, that is uh, the exclusion of timeline between the date of application of refund and the date of deficiency notice under RFD03 for computing two years from the relevant date. Next, in relevant to rule 95, 95 option given to withdraw the refund application. This is also already clarified. The withdrawal can be done within the earlier of RFD04, RFD06, or RFD08. What is it omitted in this 90 to 1 rule? This part also I've discussed. If any outstanding demands are there and we parallelly got done with our refund applications, what they do uh, 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 from the amount of refund sanctioning, they will adjust all this amount used and they will show a report in 
RFD07. Now it is omitted, rather replaced, I would say, replaced, and they will issue refund separately and they will issue part A of RFD07, withholding of refund. Withholding of refund. Once the demand issues are settled or uh, the query the that is raised for this withholding under part A, if it is resolved, and then it will be followed by part B of RFD07 and it is followed by RFD06. RFD06. And this also we have already gone through. Now, coming again to this circular 125, that is the master circular. From the master circular, the reason amendments are one thing, the timeline of computing uh, this errors or the timeline for computing uh, refund application date to uh, deficiency notice and in 147 circular computation of adjusted or turnover purpose for the purpose of export of services and uh, 147 circular uh, this 1.5 times the value that we need to take up all these things we have discussed more than that in 125 circular and i'm reminding this is already issued in 2019 they're given clarities on uh, what about the ITCs accumulating on compensation chess? Say I'm purchasing coal and using the coal, I prepare aluminum products and I export aluminum products. If I do purchase coal, I suffer paying compensation chess. That compensation chess also already accumulated and made available as ITC. What should I do with this ITC? Sir? That ITC, I can claim it in refund if, if my outward product, I'm supplying it under uh, Supply export of goods under without payment rule. Without payment rule. In case if I am supplying uh, we'll complete this thing and then I will complete for email. In case if I'm supplying my goods under payment route, integrated supply, integrated tax payment, then that particular chase I'm not eligible to claim. There is one critical situation which always comes in our city is for all the dying industries. Here, dying industries, they are not uh, covered under refund under export category. Rather, they are covered under uh, refund under inverted structure category because of the output supply is 5% and all the chemical dyes under 12%. For them also, most of the dying industries, they procure coal and they suffer compensation chess. That compensation chess that they pay, they are not eligible to adjust and claim against this refund under inverted duty structure. My suggestion would be, uh, instead of keeping, in case this is a bigger size concern, instead of keeping the uh, dying units separately, if they can match those units with the export units, so that so that the compounds inches also can be parallelly clamped against the outward supply of, the uh, export supply of goods and then without payment of food, without payment of food. There is one important thing I thought to discuss, and then, uh, Regarding this compensation chess, okay, let's go on to the queries. I have a list of queries also. In queries, uh, I will address one by one, one by one. So how the process is, how the portal windows will look like. Once you log into this application for refund, once you log into the GST portal of the particular C using the username and password, in service categories, refund category, you have this application for refund column. From which you have this 12 different items of refunds. Most of us will stick on to this refund of ITC of export and goods services without payment of taxes. This first item, electronic cash ledger, uh, maybe TDS TCS cases, 
since if we supply our goods to e-com operators, definitely we will have this thesis item. And if that thesis item is in excess available, we can use this first column. On account of refund, we are recipient of deemed export. Recipient of deemed export, this fifth item, this fifth item only, I said in chapter 147, this from March 2021, that uh, the recipient can claim the ATC, but get a declaration that it is not again claimed by the supplier for his refund purpose. Any other column, maybe the strongly paid uh, taxes can be taken up for any other column or excess payment of tax. On account of assessment or provisional assessments or appeal or any other order, here we file a refund and, and for example, I file the refund for 100 eligible ATC. Obviously, issued only for 80. Remaining 20, I look up for assessment. I went up for an appeal and I applied for an appeal. And in appeal, if I got it in favor, depending on that particular order, I can claim it through this last column. Last column. Fine. Once I select the option, it will ask for the financial period, month, and then the attachment that we need to. It asks for an annexed B, a template, a ready-made template, which is available in the offline utility. That need to be filled up, and that will be validated only if all the data are promptly filled. In case of export of goods, BOC is not mandatory. Still, then it will get validated. And once we, uh, after validation, we will enter the required values. The turnover of zero rated agile to turnover and net ITC, and automatically the eligible ITC for refund will come and reflect here in this window. In case if you have compensation just to be claimed, that is also can be claimed here. And out of the eligible refund, the order in which we need to claim that eligible ITC is if we have the sufficient balance in IGST ledger itself, then the entire amount need to be claimed in the IGST ledger. Once this IGST ITC ledger is exhausted, then we need to claim equally in CGST and SGST. After adjusting CGST and SGST, if you do have still excess, that need to be adjusted in CGST. May not be in the other question. Most of the time, what we have is after adjusting CGST and SGST, still we have excess claim to be done. Then most of the time, the balances will be in the SGST because of that ITC adjustment provision the later times, oh sorry, in the previous times that it was there. In the previous times, IPC adjustment, they had a formula for it. That is, all that outward liability first has to be adjusted with IGST ITC and then with CGST, and then with CGST with CGST, and then with SGST with SGST. But IGST liability, first it has to be entirely adjusted with ITC of IGST, and then in a proportion towards CGST or SGST in the proportion that we want. Even before this, uh, this provision comes in, it was like after adjusting IGST, we need to entirely adjust towards CGST and then we have to come forward to SGST. That was the provision before this, any proportion amendment came, any proportion between CGST and SGST amendment came. So from that time, there are a few cases where we get accumulated ITCs only lying in SGST columns. Accordingly, we can claim. Then the bank details, which we already submitted during our registration time, if we have more than one bank account and that is already submitted and reflected in our GST certificates, any one of the bank account can be selected here. And all the supporting documents, the supporting documents for each category, there are different documents. This I've highlighted only for export of goods and export of services. Export of goods, I said shipping bill, BL copies, export invoices, if possible, regulation certificates and an Excel B that all the ITCs that we claimed are matching into it. In case we are claiming any excess ITC which is not there into it. 
say for example, a situation where uh, the invoice is issued by the supplier in the month of August itself. But, but the supply is completed only in September and the recipient claims it only in the month of September. What happens, this ITC that I claimed in September will automatically already reflect in August month, but I'm going and claiming a refund only in September month. Since it is not in 2A, the jurisdiction officers cannot ignore it. Rather, they can get the copy of the invoices and they can match it up in the annexer 2A, which is already there in August, reflecting in the August annexer 2A. That can be taken up. That clarity is also given in circular 125. So once it is done, we can make a submission. In this template, we are supposed to mention all the invoice details, number, date. One more important classification is whether the ITC that we claim is a goods or a services, and whether this is reflecting in GST or 2A or not. If it is reflecting, we have to mention yes. If it is not reflecting, we have to mention no. To the extent that we are mentioning no, Parallelly, if any document is required for that, we need to submit. Mostly they will ask for an invoices that we have to scan and submit. We have more number of invoices, we have more other book, we have to scan and submit. It is as per rule 89. Next. So once we create this file and validate, we'll get this JS1 file and we'll upload. And if it is uploaded successfully, the values will automatically reflect here. And finally, we'll end up in submission. Before submission, the uh, values available, that is on the date of application, what is the balance available in each ledger? And during the relevant period for which we are going for refund, at that relevant period, what is the balance available in uh, the different ledgers? Whichever is less, that only we can make our claim. And this is how we submit. Once we submit it, we will get this ARN numbers. This ARN number, after this, the department officer will send an acknowledgement under RP02. So these are the things we already discussed. So I'm running to the queries that we need to discuss. Yes. This 125.4 initially, uh, when the GST was uh, I mean, uh, introduced in 1st July 2017, Apparently in uh, customs provisions also, the higher drawbacks were uh, allowed. Once we claimed this higher drawback at that time, refund under CGST is not in time. That is clarified in circular 125 in 2019. So it was already followed up by the officers and in case if any SEC have claimed the GST and got the higher rate of drawback also, from them it is reverted back with interest also, with interest. Documents essential. Particularly, I've selected only for this export without payment of taxes and export of services with payment of taxes because these are the most cases that we follow in our place, our place of practice. Uh, declaration that we need to uh, give is as per the provision 54.3, ITC has been promptly discharged and claimed by ITCs, we have made a proper reversals under Rule 42, Rule 43 also. Nowadays, there are in some circles, officers are asking whether the net ITC that you are claiming is after the proper reversal under Rule 42 and Rule 43. That is, uh, one second. Yes. We'll come to your queries uh, after completing the entire slides. Only I have a few more slides to complete and a few more areas to touch up with this ROCT and then I will address all your queries one by one. 
regarding this rule 41 rule 43 uh, any itcs which is common itc in parallel to exempt supply and taxable supplies maybe for the 100% new ous we don't have exempted supply classification me is also not subject to exempted supply classifications uh, even recently also some of us started getting this error it notices asking for a reversal of common itc in proportion to uh, exempted supplies let us say it was kept in abeyance. Don't know when it will come again. At that time, we have to ensure this rule 42, common ITC reversal will promptly happened or not. If that is not happened and you have claimed this common, without making this common reversal, I mean, common ITC reversals and claimed entirely the refund, then when these notices are raised, at that time, we will be in a position to reverse our ITC along with interest, along with interest. Most of these documents, since we are all familiar, uh, that BRC has to be attached or FAS has to be attached in case of export of services. All this is a familiar thing. So it is not required to much of discussion here. Next. And XLB is also clear. Coming to this, some of the queries, I said compensation shares. Yes, it is eligible for refund, but eligible for refund only for the exporters without payment of taxes. Without payment of taxes. ITC is reversed. And is it possible to claim the reversed compensation shares ITC? See, Thinking that I don't have any export of uh, goods without payment of taxes, or I'm not aware of what to do with this compensation ITC. What I did, I claimed this compensation ITC and I reversed it in the same month. For example, in April 2020, I claimed compensation ITC, but I reversed it. Only in June 2020, I realized it, oh, that, that, that uh, this compensation ITC is also eligible for refund. And what I did, again, I'm going to uh, claim that uh, ITC of April in the month of June. If I'm claiming so, that particular ITC of compensation shares will not be eligible for purpose of refund. LUT, yes, of course, if it is filed in delay, I, after the export was made, it can be condemned based on case-to-case -case allotment or uh, approval given by the jurisdiction offices. Next. Yes, do self-declaration for non-prosecution required every time for LUT root exporters. Every time declaration is not required, a single time declaration had to be done annually. But I suggest to take up this LUT in the beginning of the financial itself. What are the proof of relation required for export of goods or services? Ultimately, BRC, in case of export uh, of services, FAIC, in uh, this uh, Rule 90, sorry, Rule 94, there is one particular uh, point we need to note any particular exporter who exports to Bhutan and that too under payment of taxes route, that is integrated taxes paid and uh, exported to Bhutan, for them, there is no possibility of uh, refund. There is no possibility of refund. Rather, the taxes paid will be given to the Bhutan government. This is there specifically mentioned in rule. So any exporter who is exporting goods to Bhutan have to be very careful if they opt for export of goods under payment route. Payment route. Do LUT or bond required for export of non-GST supplied goods or exempt supplied goods? See, only for taxable uh, uh, supply of goods, this LUT is required. Uh, just to avoid paying taxes, giving a self-declaration that I'm making an export and definitely will uh, realize it within the time frame mentioned in FEMA Act or RBI Act. If I'm doing an export of uh, non-GST goods or exempted goods, still I'm eligible for refund but there is no requirement to declare LUT or more. No requirement for declaring LUT or more. 
do exporters import so do underutilized transaction credit available for refund this and all uh, well expired uh, before in 1718 itself transactional credit or not the credit applicable to the relevant period for which we apply for refund hence transactional credits will always not be eligible for claiming refund claiming refund the exporters import inputs and capital goods eligible for claim refund of igst paid on exports they do for computing net idc and renewable interest do we claim all idcs of inputs we may not claim all idcs of inputs idcs and relevant to the supply yeah sorry we will we will claim all the idcs of inputs only thing we will not claim idcs of input services and idcs of capital goods uh excess in cash ledger due to tdscs we already discussed in which category merchant exporter need to claim the refund can you offer igst payment route of export uh igst payment route of export is not possible for the exporter who procures goods from the merchant exporter and point 1% scheme and the point 1% scheme he cannot go for payment route of export he can only claim uh, uh export under lut route then only his supplier there is a merchant export supplier also can claim his refund under point 1% uh, route how this process flow happens in case of igst refunds refunds that is payment route refunds first we claim it in we declare it in the shipping bill value and then we are claiming it in gstr 1 and 3 the moment we are done with the process it goes to the sanctioning authorities at customs port and then they are formulating it and they are releasing it till the process of tra traveling to central dto it is covered under uh, cbic cbic after that it goes to this pfms platform what is the need for understanding this particular chart most of the cases when it is classified or taken up as a risky exporters we don't know from whom to be report from where we need to ask for the details like that that time uh, once we understand this chart uh, if the refunds are held at either at ics or ic gate for that we need to approach only the cbics cbics that to the jurisdiction in case of the exporters located in coimbatore the jurisdiction sorry in case of exporters located in tirupur it is mostly covered in coimbatore jurisdiction where a particular officer will come up for an inspection and will ask for necessary details asking for the matching of itcs that itc is properly transferred in all these things we have to justify and we have to ensure that 100% we are okay then they will submit this formal letter that this exporter is can be classified out of risk exporter classification and then again it moves to the central dio and pfms platform it enters to pfms platform refunds are automatically generated or back account how it works in lut route lut route we file this rfd 1a then the sanctioning authority they issue rfd 06 and rfd 05 after that after that it goes into the pfms platform now now comes this rosl rosctl and rodtp so far i done with this uh, refunds and export definitions under igst act and cgst act and i have mostly highlighted to this master circular of 125 and circular of 16 bar 2020 and the recent circulars of 147 the recent notification of 15 bar 2021 these are all the recent things and amendments and circulars came for the export of goods or services and and relevant to the refunds what about this rosl rosctl and rodtp first let's understand let's understand what is this concept of this rosl rosctl and rodtp rosl is a rebate on state levies which is issued to benefit the exporters 
who has suffered taxes which are not eligible or not covered under a refund under gst so to boost them with this benefit initially they have issued this rosl this rosl as like a subsidy that how we receive for a drawback all the duties that we paid we getting as a duty drawback in the same manner this rosl is also sanctioned parallelly the exporters got one more benefit called merchant export incentive scheme in case of a service provided a service export incentive scheme. uh for them it was around uh, 2% or 2 to 4% i think to the extent of export fob value they made on that either to around 2 to 4% they get it as a script and that they can download it and they can sell it to a, any importer if they are in requirement for since this mes scheme is in against wto rules so our country was in a position to change or drop this mes provisions and look out for some other benefits to be issued to our customers parallelly at that time till 31st december 2020 exporter had this benefits of drawback to a certain percentage of 1.9 to 2.9% and rosl somewhere around 2 to 4% and this mes around 2% from 1st january onwards they have started bringing in this rodtp in the place of mes so mes will be dropped rodt will will be made available what happened they said from 1st january this rodt become still this rates for this rodt is not introduced not reduced almost 7 months have gone so the art textile industry have suffered a lot they made a representations and accordingly they have got back their rocdl so instead of mes from now on they are eligible to drop this rocdl rocdl to an extent of 4 to 6 percentage from their fob value it is also similar to script they can download it under rocdl script and they can sell it what about this rodtep rodtep is not applicable for textile industry as of now because textile industries alone they got this extension for rocdl itself rodtp for all other sectors still rates are not defined possibilities in rodtp is they have both the rules a separate account will be open for the particular exporter other than the exporter and the textiles in dgft itself through which either get their refunds and either they get they will get their refunds in their login itself that either they can encash it like a drawback or rosl the previous scenarios or they can download it in the form of script and they can sell it so far rodtp rates are not defined and is not available but for our sector textile industries rocdl is going to be continuing for 31st march till 31st march 2024 and that will be around 4 to 6% that benefits is similar to mes mes but now the window is not allowing temporarily they have uh, i mean they have withheld this window probably they will open up it in areas i mean later stage how the refunds for this particular things are processed processed so i am almost in the last slide sir we'll complete this and then take the queries uh ministry of textiles they allocate funds for the cbac in relevant to this rodtp or rocctl every year budget uh, they announce the level of allocation they have been doing it for every ministries every every sectors so the extent how much they have been allocating for this particular ministry of textiles from there uh, they will uh, uh, sanction it to cbac through cbac route again this rocctl will made available to the i mean exporters in textile industry for other industries it is ro dtp ro dtp okay apart from this 
time limit also we have discussed forms for filing refund claims also we already discussed yes can a merchant exporter to purchase goods without payment of taxes on furnishing a declaration form that is not possible because notification bar 40 have clearly defined the path or the defined the procedure through which they have to file withholding of refund we have already discussed cash flow tax persons and non-resident tax persons the refund formula itself is totally different because the timeline at which they operate itself is limited only to 90 days further extension another 90 days maximum for a period of 180 days interest on delayed refunds these also in between i have discussed it, it will not exceed six percentage in case they have delayed in issuing rfd 06 and rfd 05 rfds if they delay in issuing rfd 06 the interest rate will be computed and this will be added up in rfd 05 Now we will take up the queries. We'll take up the queries and then uh, for inverted refund uh, July 17 to July 18, ITC reversal must. And if so, any interest to be paid on matter. Yes, of course. Since we claimed the ITC and uh, we have adjusted for it, and definitely we'll be in a position to pay interest. Inverted in, sorry, inverted ineligible business list mentioned. There is no specific list of uh, Inverted structure, ma'am. Maybe one fine day they come up with an amendment stating uh, the outward supply of dying charges is no more 12%, no more 5%, it has to be 18%. Then automatically, even the dying industries, they will go out of inverted structure. So there is no specific list, ma'am. As of now, all the items for which outward supply rate is lesser than the inward supply rate, which will be taken up and covered under inverted structure. With the form and process to be followed for a 0.1 tax merchant export supplier or client supplying to exporter or whether it is or for supplying to UAU. So uh, supplying to UAU, one category, form and form B, definitely they have to uh, adhere to. In case a merchant exporter supplying through 0.1 person, say, they also have the similar procedure, not in the form A form B format, say, for them, uh, they have to frame a covering letter. And with, along with this covering letter, they have to attach the PO once they got the uh, maybe they will cut off like every month they should submit all the POs that they've got from their uh, exporters and parallelly every month whatever shipments are done through that exporters and that uh, shipment you know, uh, shipping bills if this merchant exporter details are mentioned that detail has to be taken up it has to be matched up with their uh, merchant exporters invoices it also need to be filed to the local jurisdiction sir. it has to be done separately and then Uh, it also says separately before filing RFP 01 forms. Any practical issues? The practical issues is that uh, always the service ITC is getting accumulated. But to overcome with this, we need to have a financial planning in such a way that we can uh, merge industries which claim inverted structure, if possible. For all those possible organizations, we can merge industries uh, with inverted structure supply with uh, export supply also. Like that, we can plan, we can only do the financial planning. We can request the government to add up uh, services also, services category, ITC services category with 18%, 12% also by amending this NHITC in rule 18 names. Merchant exporter saying that it is for EOU and not giving any forms prior to supply. They are giving shipping bills after supply. So that is sufficient, sir. That is sufficient, sir. Before that, from the exporter, you get the purchase orders also, sir. That you have to file separately or else. Every month, collect the purchase order parallelly, their invoice uh, matching up with the exporter's shipping. 
With that, you can uh, uh, make it a separate file and file the jurisdiction that is sufficient. Fine. Hope I have done the justification for my topic. And any worries we can uh, discuss here. Now the floor is open for the queries. The members can ask directly or through chat box. Uh, um, so any doubt? Can you ask? Unmute or, uh, You're all already uh, familiar and in detail, sir, with this uh, export 3.0. Only thing I wanted to highlight is in relevant to the circular 147 and notification 15, the timeline and the deemed exporters claiming ITC, the recipient of the deemed exporter claiming ITC. And then this 1.5 times of the value, that we need to be careful. And the next area is in case we are the exporter of services, we have to be very careful in arriving the adjusted turnover and uh, zero rate supply for working on the refund and RFP zero one. These are the highlights of today's session selection. What about that uh, mail uh, uh, clients received recently about Sera audit query, that reversal of MEA's uh, exempted sales? Yes, sir. Sir, uh, this MEA's, in my perspective, uh, first, for the purpose of refund, this is this is an exempt supply not considered. Whereas for the ITC reversal, though the exempt supply is considered against the MEA supply, uh, if we classify and uh, or common ITC against this MEA supply, we'll be ending up with only a meager amount of ITC items because MEAs it is not something in relevant to our export. We procure, we manufacture, we transit it, and we supply it till the process. It's only entirely relevant to the export. After export has happened, it is also subsidy similar to drawback. I don't know why uh, for the purpose of this MES sales, officers are asking us to look forward for reversing the common ATC. Even then, uh, in parallel with, if you want to connect some common ATC towards this MES, I'm finding only this uh, bank charges for making the realization or consultant charges that we pay uh, for claiming that MES, maybe that alone can be considered as a common ITC set for the purpose of reversing. Other than that, I'm not finding any other ITC to be reversed. In case we do, we have MES as an exemption. Is there any other questions? Shall we, shall we write it? Mm, yes. Secretary, what are the questions? Before winding up, uh, it's an honor that I'm again given an opportunity in my own branch for uh, handling a session that for members. So I'm always privileged handling uh, sessions at my home branch. Thanks a lot for the branch and my seniors, especially my teacher, Shoshan sir, who framed me in all the way and giving me this opportunity of presenting a session to our beloved members. Thanks a lot, sir. Thanks every member for uh, patient listening throughout these two hours. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Susan. Thanks. My secretary. Oh, okay. Secretary mm -hmm. now will propose what of thanks. What of thanks. Uh, secretary, you are in mute. Actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
திருப்பூர் I thank to our home member Vishnu Kumar for giving this seminar on zero rated supply and practical issues faced through refund. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Vishnu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sir.